I don't know if it was a birth certificate or something attached to it. There was a description of a guy as in tall, stocky build. And so of the three guys that were mentioned, I set out to meet each one of them. Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Thank you for joining us today on another episode of Adoption Now. We just hit 43,000 downloads on iTunes. Yay! I appreciate all of your emails of encouragement and how this show has helped you. If you want to be added to our email list, you can go to adoption-now.com and sign up. In every episode, we bring you stories from a different aspect of adoption. We tell adoption stories from the perspective of a birth parent, adoptee, or the adoptive parents. We call this the triad, and every role in the adoption triad is so important. So thank you again for tuning in and being a part of Adoption Now. Today, our story comes from New York. Kitty applied to be on the show, and when I read her story, I was amazed. I had never read anything like it. Kitty, welcome to the show. Hi, April. Thank you for having me on your show. I am so excited to hear your story. Okay, tell our listeners why you applied to be on Adoption Now. Well, I was talking to a friend, and I was telling her something about my life, and she said, wow, you're the triad. And I was thinking, what's a triad? So I looked it up. And sure enough, I found out that I am an adoptee, I am a birth mother, and I am an adoptive mother. So I thought, I need to know more about this. This is a term I'm not familiar with. So I started to pull up podcasts and listen to them. And I was listening to Adoption Now. And I thought, oh, April has so many varied guests on. I wonder if she can point me in the direction of somebody who may be like me. So I had sent a message to you, and now here we are today. I just can't believe it. I can't believe how amazing your story is and how much you can speak into. I know there's parts of your story that are hard to talk about, and we're going to get through those today. But I just think that you're incredibly brave for coming on Adoption Now and and sharing this amazing journey you have through adoption. You know so much about it. Thanks, April. I'm so glad to have the opportunity because I do believe out there someplace there has to be somebody like me that fits each of the three categories. But until then, I'd like to speak to each of the categories. So I guess I can start with me being an adoptee. Okay, great. Okay, so um, I was actually adopted when I was three weeks old, and I was adopted by a banker and a nurse and a six-year-old brother. So um, before that, what I found out was my birth mother was 16, and she was sent away to an infant home. Um, I believe she was there the last two months of her pregnancy, And um, she stayed there until she went into labor for me. She went across the alleyway to a hospital and had me and then came back. I was in this infant home with her for 10 days. On the fifth day, 
she was called out by Mother Superior. I guess it was a Catholic infant home. And that's where she sat down and faced this piece of paper and was asked to sign it if she wanted to relinquish her rights and give me up. And she did. And then there was another clause on there that she could also be contacted if and when I was adopted. And I'm not sure if she had done that part of it. So um, after the 10 days, I just recently found out that I was in foster care until then my, my parents picked me up. And I, I had to do a little research about this because I really didn't know the specifics. So between contacting my birth aunt and asking my older brother, who's six years older than me, what happened, I was able to put those pieces together. So how did your parents find you? They had put an application in to Catholic Charities. I believe they were already associated with Catholic Charities because they had done a few foster care stints with a little boy and a little girl. And my mother had gotten to a point that she really wanted to have another baby. And although she had one six years prior, she was finding it hard to conceive. So her and my father thought, yeah, we need to adopt. And so they adopted me. And then three years later, they adopted my brother. He's from a different family. And then three years after that, my mother had gone off her high blood pressure medication and got pregnant for my little sister. So my younger sister and my older brother are the bookends, the biological bookends in the family. And then my brother and I, the middle children, we are the adopted two. I had just met with my sister this past weekend, and she says she wants to write a book about me. And she had said, you know, Dennis and I are the bookends, but you and Timmy are the mystery in the middle. And I, I was like, hmm, well, that's a different spin on it. Did you like that? I did because everything with my older brother and younger sister was already predetermined. They already knew genetically what they were disposed to. They, they were part of the legacy and the heritage that my parents had. When Timmy and I grew up, we were part of that also. We never felt like we were separated. I had asked my older brother this past weekend, how did you feel about me coming into the family? And he said it was very natural. Mom and dad said to him, we're gonna have a new baby in our house. We're going to have a baby. So to him, I don't believe he felt like there was only one way to have a baby. I think he believed we could have one naturally or we could have one delivered. <laughs> and that's what Timmy and I are. We were the delivered babies. Okay. How old were you when they went to get you? Three weeks old. Three weeks. Aw. So that was a yeah. natural progression. I remember uh -huh. in our family... When we disrupted birth order, we had fostered okay. a little boy for a little while. And that was very confusing to our little kids because it wasn't a natural baby coming in to the birth order. It was like, wait a second, where did he come from? Where are his parents? But when we adopted a baby, they didn't ask those questions. Even though oh, it was still yeah. different ethnicity, they did not yeah. ask, wait, where, 
doesn't this baby have parents? No, we were always their parents in their minds. And yeah. so I think mm-hmm. that it's easier sometimes when you bring home a little baby. Makes sense. Yes. Yeah. The progression starts much earlier. Right. Right. So your experience in adoption growing up was very positive. It was. There was no stigma. It was sort of a way of life. And um, my mother's two sisters each adopted two children. So when the cousins got together, we knew there, there was a different way we came into these families, but it was never noted. And we were never treated any different. The only thing that was sort of different about my family was when I was 11, my dad died. So there was more a feeling of uncertainty and sort of a shakeup in my life then Mm -hmm. than there would have ever been that I was adapted. Right. How did you process that? It was tough. My grandmother had come over to stay with us off and on because my mother had, um, you know, was faced with raising four children by herself. So she had gone back to school to get her master's degree and she was also working full-time as a nurse. So we were, we were under the security and there was a comfort that grandma would bring when she would come over to our house because she was very schedule oriented. So it was good for us to be able to just blend in with knowing what's next each day. Mm-hmm. So did you ever question where did I come from in your teenage years? There were a few times when I would have disagreements with my mom and, you know, I would say the hurtful things like I wish that I was with my real mother. And that was mainly out of anger or frustration but on a normal basis or day-to-day, I, I was pretty content with where I was. There was a time, though, that after my dad had passed away, my mom had to collect Social Security. And the attorney that was doing my father's estate had given my mother two sealed envelopes. So um, when I was 21 and I was about to move out west, my mom had given me that envelope. And it was still sealed. And, and I don't even remember when I opened it, but I do know that when I saw what the contents were of it, that was my original birth certificate. That was my birth name. That was my birth mother's name. And it was where my birth mother was living before she had gone to the infant home. Wow. So what did you do with that? So, um, you know, I kind of tucked that away. I didn't feel any need to do any research at that point. And I, I guess I had realized that God had orchestrated my life and that I was just going to rest in his direction at that point. So I started my life out West and, um, there was, you know, friends that I had made through work and I, I really didn't have much of a social network but we had gone out to celebrate my birthday one night and I had met this guy and um, we had a relationship and the relationship came to an end when I had found out I was pregnant. I had told um, this guy that I was fine, you know, to take care of this on my own and I didn't need his help, but he, he was sort of threatened And he was not convinced that he may be, you know, tied or linked into 
a relationship with a baby involved. So I knew at that point that I needed to call my mom and to talk to her about it. My mom and my sister immediately got on a plane and came out and helped me to decide what I would be doing next, as in coming home. (laughs) So I moved home when I was three months along and I'd gotten a job in a law office and I was taking good care of myself. I was, I took up sewing and I was hanging out with my family. I felt protected and I was able to work through a decision that I was going to make with the help of a counselor. So the counselor would meet with me and she would say, are you sure? And I was really appreciating that she was um, leaving it open to the very end. But I knew that because I was adopted and I had a full life, I felt confident I could do the same for my child. I knew at that point I was not in a position to be able to raise a child. I was single. I didn't have my own home. I was living under my mother's roof and I had just started a job. There was so much uncertainty, but it was um, when I was Christmas shopping with my sister that my water broke. I went to the the hospital that evening and after having a C-section, I had a little boy and I was able to hold him and feed him for two days. And then he was delivered (laughs) to his adoptive family on Christmas Eve. Wow. Did you pick that family? Yes. When I was meeting with a counselor, she was able to give me three family profiles. And I had chosen a profile that I felt was most like my son based upon who his father was. So I um, found a family that was Italian and one that had traveled internationally. And they also had a son who was adopted who was six years older. So on the profile, there was a note that the older brother would be so thrilled if he had a younger sibling. So after choosing that profile, I was confident that, yeah, that was a good match. Two days with your son. Was it very hard to place? It was, it was difficult. I, I remember my friend's mother was a nurse at the hospital that I had given birth at. And she had come into me a few times and, you know, she would pat my arm or she'd rub my leg and she'd look at me with these eyes of reassurance, like, you're okay, you're doing okay. And there was more of a look of love and comfort and understanding. And um, there was another nurse that was that way also. So during that time in the hospital, I did feel like I was being nourished emotionally to be able to handle this. Okay, I just have to ask you this question. So two days and you are with your child. Can you imagine what your birth mother went through with 10 days? That's a long time. Yes, you're right. You know, I I never thought about that until you just said it. (laughs) And that is crazy because I think that there would be a lot more, am I doing the right thing? Maybe I should change my mind. And I think I would grow to 
become dependent upon each day seeing him and taking care of him. Mm-hmm. Right. And the child would start to attach to you. Yes. And so that would be very difficult to walk away. And she also didn't know where you were going to go. You knew that you were placing your child with this certain family. She had no mm-hmm. faith to that right. family. She just was trusting mm-hmm. that the system was going to find you a good family. And they did. And that's amazing. God had his hand on you. But how hard that must have been for her. Yes, that's true. There's so mm-hmm. many aspects that you have going on in your story that you can just pull from and think about. You know, you have your, your birth mother and now you are a birth mother and you have adoptive parents that you're now placing your child with. And there's just so many different roles going on. How were you doing after that? So there was, there was a period of four months that I remember, and it was usually at night, I would be laying in bed and I would feel empty and lonely and I would, you know, process you know, well, you know, what What would he be doing now? So he'd probably be sleeping now, and I wonder what time he wakes up. And so there were times that I would reflect on what is he doing now. But throughout the years, I purposed myself to reflect that my baby was flourishing and that I had given a gift. And I always believe that you don't take a gift back. So I think as the months progressed, I was, you know, processing into this is reality, this is the decision I made, and it's not going to be changed. Was it an open adoption? No, it was not. So you didn't get any pictures? Well, the counselor that was meeting with me prior to the birth was actually a counselor associated with Catholic Charities. So she followed that adoption through. I believe she was probably even the one that took the baby to the family. So she was the go-between. I was able to send a photo album and an outfit that I had sewed for him. I gave them to her and she passed them on to the family. The family would take pictures and write a letter and send it to her and she would pass it on to me. So there were two letters And with each letter, there was a few photos. And that was the first year of his life. Okay. Shortly after that, you met your husband, correct? Yeah. So I met my husband on Valentine's Day. And that was probably the first time I had gone out since I had had the baby. And after eight months of dating, he proposed to me in October And we were going to be married in June, but I had found out I was pregnant. So we moved the wedding to April and we had a little girl in September. And when we were dating, I said, now I expect you to treat me like a lady. And I've been through a tough time and I just gave a baby up for adoption. And he had said, wow, I I wish that I was in your life then. And, um, The other strange thing is that his birthday is the same day as the baby's. They both have birthdays in December. No way. Your son that you placed, same birthday? Wow. my husband. That's kind of cool, though, because it seems like God gave you someone to celebrate while you were thinking of someone that you missed. Yes. So true. Yeah. Your story just weaves together, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that 
God gives you times of healing by having the story intertwine and be special in that way. How did you explain adoption to your new husband? Did he have any experience? No, none at all. But he, he knew I was. So I think I spoke to him more about how it was me being raised and how my brother and I don't look like the other two. And he would see that. He would see that my sister and I look nothing alike. He didn't dwell much on it, but I do know that if it was a few months earlier, he would have said, we will keep this baby. Right. It just is amazing that a matter of months, you know, there's just that timetable that you can't, you know, roll back. Right. How did you feel about that? When he first said it, I, I almost, you know, was like, oh yeah. And then I remembered, nope. I, I, you know, I kept purposing myself with, I had a great life. I enjoyed my life and I've released my son to do the same. What's the age difference between your son and your daughter? Two years. Two years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now you're starting a whole new life. You're having biological children and are you feeling more complete? Yes. Life sort of went into a real fast pace at that point. We got involved in the church and we started to understand uh, who God was in our lives. And um, I sort of went through a healing time where I understood that he was my heavenly father. And that helped with the abandonment that I felt when my dad died. So I was reassured at that point that, you know, God was directing my path. And I did feel that he was increasing my family to provide for me that, you know, I could be a mother and that I still had nurturing and love to give, you know, fully to the babies that were to come along. How many biological children did you have? So there were three boys after our first daughter. Okay. So four children. And then you're starting to think, maybe I should find my biological family. Yes. After my husband and my second son, I was concerned that I didn't know genetically what I was passing on to my children. So I pulled out that birth certificate and I set out to find my biological parents. We need to take a break, Kitty. This is getting good. We're going to go on this journey with you and find your biological parents. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. Hi, this is April Fallon, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. Our website is done. We would love for you to visit us at adoption-now.com. You can always find us on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to Adoption Now podcast on iTunes. And remember, listen, like, and review. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we are talking to Kitty. Her story is so amazing. She really represents the triad that we try to talk about every single week. We try to tell stories from every perspective of adoption. We want to talk about the birth parents experience. We want to talk about the adoptees experience. And we want to talk about what it's like to be an adoptive parent. And Kitty represents all three. And so this is very interesting 
for all of us who are in the adoption community, this person that is telling her story today is so valuable. So I appreciate you coming on the show, Kitty. In your story, you are adopted. So we talked a little bit about how that was a very positive experience for you. And then in your early 20s, you got pregnant and decided since adoption was great for you and you didn't have the means to take care of this little boy, you would place him. So you picked a family Mm -hmm. and you placed him. You've now Mm -hmm. met your husband and had four children and are thinking, I should find my biological family to figure out what my medical history is. So you got out that certificate. Yes. And I was able to do some research through the library because I had my mother's address on the birth certificate. I knew that 30 minutes down the road, I could go to that local library and look in yearbooks. I also knew that my birth mother was 16 when she had me. So I was able to find the year that, you know, she would be a sophomore in high school. So um, I found her picture and then I found another person in the yearbook with the same last name and my same first name. So I found out that I was named after my birth aunt. I share the first name with my birth aunt. And what is that name? Cheryl. Cheryl. Cheryl, yes. Okay, I just want to say, first of all, you should do this for other people because If I went to the library to look for somebody, I wouldn't know what I was doing. So the fact that you found a yearbook and then you were looking for other names and piecing that together, I mean, what was that like? Was it exciting or were you scared? It was exciting. I had a friend with me and part of her wanting to be with me was the year earlier she had wanted to find her birth father and she had found out that he had passed away. So she said, I want to go with you and help you with this. And it was sort of healing for her to invest time with me. So the two of us were, you know, going through Europe and she was at one, I was at the other. And she'd say, oh, come here. And I'd go over and look. And then I'd say, no, look here. And so we started making copies of the pages. And that was what was going to give us our lead as to how to try to find phone numbers. So I, I was able to find a phone number for... It was a distant relative because I was only going by my last name. So I called somebody, (laughs) anybody with that last name in that town. And um, that person was able to give me more information. So with the number she gave me, I finally was connected with my birth aunt's ex-husband's mother. (laughs) And she said, you can find your birth aunt at this number. So my birth aunt is who I first talked to. That was the connection. And she was so excited to hear from me. She could hardly believe it. And it was mainly because she had gone through the same thing as her sister. The year later, she had put a baby up for adoption at the same infant home. And that was pretty much where I got my detailed information as to what happens in the infant home with a mother. Wow. Did she find her child? She did. And they have a great relationship. Okay. Did you find your birth mother? I did. Um, My birth aunt had given me the information to contact my birth mother. And I called her and spoke to her. It was um, less than an hour that we had talked. 
And um, there wasn't really um, a connection. There was more of a drawing in from my aunt than there was from my birth mother. Really? And it, yeah, my my birth mother was very eager to tell me about the two daughters that she had and to tell me what they were like. And it was, it was an interesting conversation. I can tell you one thing. I'm really glad that I decided to reach out when I did and not when I was any younger. I think being married and having a family gave me the security to think, okay, you know, I already have a full life. I'm just finding out some things, but I don't have to depend upon people. This is not a life changer for me. Right. You know, whether this relationship is going to fly or not. You weren't looking for a mother. No, no, I wasn't. And honestly, um, even with my birth aunt coming to visit for the first time, I was a little conflicted. I felt like I needed to protect my mother and I didn't know if I wanted my birth aunt to come over to meet her. Mm-hmm. It was really strange how two worlds were colliding, but it ended up being very natural. My birth aunt was so appreciative to my mother and my mother was delighted to meet my birth aunt. That was a very good, you know, um, interaction. Did you find out who your father was? <laughs> yes, but... I'm going to tell everybody right here, right now, that I should have had first dibs on Mamma Mia, because actually, that's my life. (laughs) Um, My birth aunt had said that there were three men in my mother's life, and my mother only wanted to say that there was one. But on the birth certificate, there was... And I don't know if it was a birth certificate or something attached to it. There was a description of a guy as in tall, stocky build. And so of the three guys that were mentioned, I set out to meet each one of them. So the first guy I met in a bowling alley and I was like, no, I don't think so. And my friend who helped me do the research in the library, she went with me and she sat behind this glassed room so she could see what was going on. And she said, no. So I'm glad we were in agreement with that. The second guy I met, my birth aunt had come to town to visit. And she said, I want to take you to meet this guy. And I don't want you to say a word. Let me explain what's going on. So we go to this guy's house and his mom is sitting there and she is on oxygen. And I'm thinking, my birthday is going to drop this information that I am the baby that was put up for adoption. This is going to be crazy. And of course she does. And this guy's mother says, I wanted to adopt you. So I was like, Whoa, this is, this is tangled up here with, you know, these guys. But she lived, um, she didn't like take her last breath because she was so shocked. Okay. Because I know that's where you were going with that. It's like, this lady's on oxygen. Is she going to be able to live through this news? I, I know. I was worried. I, I thought maybe my aunt would change her mind and not say anything because clearly this woman was fragile. But it was all, it was all good. And so that wasn't so, your father, though? No. This man was small and very shy. And 
I don't even remember him saying more than two words. So I thought, no, you don't have my personality, and I don't see a resemblance there either. So I thought, i got to find this third guy. So I went back to the library, and my birth aunt told me the guy's name. I found him in the yearbook, copied the page, came home, and thought, how am I going to get in touch with him? I'm going to look at his last name. Okay, so I called a number in that you know, 30 mile away radius and got this gentleman. And I said to him that I am on a reunion planning committee and I'm trying to reach this guy's name. And he said, okay, that's my brother. This is his number. So I called the number and a woman answered. And immediately I thought, I can't tell her who I am and who, who can I be? So I'm looking at this yearbook page and I see this woman above the guy's picture. So all of a sudden I'm her. So I said, this is so-and-so and and I'm calling because I'm planning the reunion. I wanted to know if this guy is going to come. And she said, well, he's not here, but I'll give him a message to call you when he gets home. Can I have your number? So I gave the number and hung up and had to tell my family, okay, if a guy calls looking for this woman's name, it's really me. It's for me. And my husband knew what I was doing. So So this guy called back and um, we ended up going out for lunch. And at the end of our lunch, we're walking to my car and he said, you know, sometime I, I want you to take a look. There's a picture in my family homestead that I really would love for you to take a look at. And um, I kind of tucked that, you know, in the back of my mind, but I never did anything with it because I also knew that this father number three wanted me to be secret from his wife, from his current wife. Oh. And so I was to contact him at his business and, um, yeah, I would, you know, this felt weird. Yeah. But did you know that was your dad? Did you do a DNA test? Years later I did. Okay. So you did find out that was the guy. Now, could you tell? I, yes, I, for height. Yes. For personality, yes. And um, after I had left, I thought, he looks a lot like my husband and my second son, my third child by my husband. They look a lot alike. So, you know, I, and I kind of wanted to believe that he was because he was the nicest to me and he seemed to have his, his life in check. He was doing well. He lived out of the area, though. <laughs> Finding all this information, did it help you? It did. With each door that was opened and each discovery, I had to take time away. You know, everything that I'm telling you actually spanned over a year because there were times that I had to just take a month or two breather just to process, to, you know, believe that, okay, I know this, now move on to this next step. So... I believe that was very therapeutic for me to finally know that this was the story before I was born. But you really had peace that you went to the family you were meant to be with. Oh, definitely. Yes. I cannot imagine what my life would be like if I was to stay with my birth mom. I think that alone gives so much peace. You know, when you really can be thankful and move forward. 
Okay. So fast forward, you find out all this information, you're raising your family. And then when your youngest son was 11, you decided to adopt? Yes. We had met a girl who was 16 years old and she was an orphan. And my husband and I had all of a sudden this awareness that, wow, there are teenagers out there that are not living in a home, that don't have a mother and father, that are in foster care. And I was a youth leader and I thought, oh, I want to bring teenagers into my home. So I talked to my husband about it and he agreed to start to take the course for foster care certification. And um, for the orientation meeting, we were the family that said, oh, we just want to do respite. We just want to help a teenager through the storm in their life to be reunited. And everybody else around the table seemed to want to have a child in their home to adopt. So we were clearly the minority. So the first placement that they had given us was an 11-year-old boy. And he was with us for two years. And um, we had gone to a court appointment. I had gone by myself. And I remember sitting in the waiting room. And his mother was sitting next to me. And I turned to her. And I had said to her that I appreciated the boy that she raised. I told her that she did a great job with her son and that he had such good manners as a young man. And I thanked her for making my job as a foster mom so easy because she had already given him so many great attributes. So at this point, his mother turns to me and says, no one has ever said that to me before. And she got up and left the room. And the next thing I know, her attorney came in and said, will you come with me into this room? So we went into this conference room and he said, the mother just signed off. Would you like to adapt? And I was like blown away. I could not believe it. I just didn't, I called my husband, I, I called Rashad and, and I'm like, do you want to? And Rashad says, yes. And I said to my husband, okay, it's time, should we? And my husband said, yes. And so we adopted Rashad and he will be with us now three years as of November 21st. That's his gotcha day. They call it gotcha. That's so amazing because you were in this two-year experience with a birth mother and going to court and I'm sure that they were having visits And that's hard. That's hard to do. But I mean, you were willing to do it. You knew what you were signing up for. And then here you are sitting in a room with her and you just, you just reach down deep. You know, I tell people Mm -hmm. that a lot is be loving no matter what you've gone through. And if Mm -hmm. you can't ask God to help you, because I told you the story about how we went through that with um, a birth mother and she wanted to take the baby And she had already signed off and we went back and forth and I just didn't have any experience and didn't have any life experience. But thinking back, I wish I would have just said something to her and been loving to her because she was lost as well. And I Mm -hmm. always wonder if that would have changed the outcome. And I feel like because you had so much experience in adoption, you were able to just love her as a birth mother because somewhere in there you were a birth mother. You know, does that make sense? Yes. I could identify with her all the while. And even to this day, I feel like I'm helping her. I don't feel like I took her son away from her. 
it is very important that we allow and foster a healthy relationship with Rashad and his birth family because that's his sense of legacy and heritage. Mm-hmm. And what is best now is that he is empowered and confident to be able to walk into his birth family's you know, whatever it is, whether it's a party or a gathering. And he knows that he can be there and be who he is and then walk away and continue to to thrive. And here's another piece of your story is that you also became an interracial family. I mean, you can speak to anything, Kitty. You could go to any conference. You can talk to anyone and relate in this adoption journey And that is so amazing. I mean, I think that's why I enjoy talking to you and we could talk all day, but I want to skip forward to you finding your birth son. Yes. So I I made a friend through the adoption support group that I go to and I told her that I had a son that's 30 years old that I had put up for adoption. And she said, oh, I love to reunite people. Can I find your son for you. And at first I was like, Oh, I don't know what that's going to be like. I felt uncertain, like, Oh no, I'm going to have to buckle up for the ride. I finally agreed to it. So she had asked me to create a temporary email while she created a poster that was going to be placed on a friend's Facebook page that lives two hours away. So this friend that was two hours away We believe that is where the hub of Catholic Charities was back in the day. So her friend posts the poster, and within 10 hours, my birth son responds to an email to me. (laughs) And I was just amazed that the turnaround time with that was so quick. And, you know, Facebook these days, I tell you, it uncovers a lot. Yes. How old was he? He's 30. 30. Um, I met him. Yes. It was in March that we were reunited. So it's still pretty fresh new. Right. Yes. Is this the hardest part of adoption? This journey right here? Yes, this is the hardest. I'm still working through it. And, um, it's, it's exciting because I know him, I've met him and I know what can be of our relationship. But it's also um, something that I have to practice patience. I have to listen to understand. And I have to know it's a long road for us to to form a relationship. Is he looking for a mother? No, he's not. What is he looking for? I don't even know what he's looking for, but I do know that We are meeting with a clinical therapist who's also an adoptee. So he's helping us through this. Wow. And that's your advice, right? If you're going to find long lost family, maybe have a therapist around. Yes. Even at the initial reuniting, don't do it alone. Have somebody be a mediator, somebody who knows the questions to ask and the balance to keep between the give and take. Okay, last question. Did you go to the house that your birth father told you to go to? Yes, I did. I tried to contact my birth father and um, couldn't find his phone number. So I called the number at that family homestead 
and asked that gentleman if he would give me his brother's number. And that guy said, I'm sorry, I can't because he passed away. So at that point, I just disclosed who I was. And that man had said, please come up to the house. So I traveled up, went in, went in the living room, looked at the picture and said, oh my word. (laughs) So I didn't even have to have a DNA test at that point to notice the picture on the wall, the picture of his mother looks just like me. The way her body is shaped, just like me. (laughs) So that was like, that would have been a telltale sign if I would have looked years ago. How many years had passed? Oh, 13 years. Wow. Had passed. Mm -hmm. And when you saw that picture... What was that moment like? I was already rather emotional to hear that my birth father had passed away. So to see the picture was, I guess I had mixed feelings like, why didn't I see this sooner so that I could establish a deeper relationship with my father? But then there was also the the feeling of, ah, the weight is off of me because now I know what he means and I feel like that question is answered. Mm -hmm. So many people are listening to this and thinking she gets it. There's going to be so many parts of your story that an adoptive mom or an adoptee or a birth parent goes, yes, oh, yes, I get that. Yeah, I felt that way. What advice do you have for all three? Hmm, okay, so for the adoptee, Your life was not a mistake. You are valuable and you are worthy. And you may feel that you weren't part of the initial decision-making. Don't let that theme carry throughout your life. Know that you are released to a new life for great things. And this is where your decision-making begins. Decide to find someone, a teacher, a youth leader, a friend's parent that can help you sort through your thoughts and that you can share your dreams with. And we all need cheerleaders in our lives. So remember, you were created for a purpose. And then to the birth mother, we all make choices. From these choices, we are given various opportunities in life. And you have a baby in your belly. It's your baby. And it's your dream for this new life inside of you. If your dreams for your baby are not something that you can offer, you can find someone who can give your child a new lease on life and help them fulfill those dreams. I met with a counselor throughout my pregnancy and that was very helpful to sort out my feelings and come up with the best plan for me and my baby. When deciding to reunite again, please find a mediator to help you through this meeting. And to the adoptive mother, find a mentor and a support group. Be sure this group has trainings you will need to be with other mothers who have adopted. If you have biological children, you will probably not raise your adopted child the same. If you don't have biological children, all the more reason to be with people who will teach and train and understand what you are going through. Well, now I'm crying. I'm always crying at the end of these. I'm so happy that you found us, Kitty. You have been a great asset to our podcast. Thank you. I am so thrilled to be a part of your show. If you'd like to get a hold of Kitty, you can go ahead and email me at april at adoption-now.com. Thank you again, Kitty, for being on and being so open and vulnerable. My pleasure. 
Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.